Welcome to this Tuesday edition of the Maya Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In a show today, Taylor Charleston will have a report talking about the difference between living and non-living biological pesticides. I'll have a check-in of regional and national agricultural news, beginning with regional ag news right after this word from our sponsor. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. The California Department of Food and Agriculture's Office of Farm Equity announces it is awarding $5 million in grants for projects throughout the state through the 2022 Beginning Farmer and Farm Worker Training and Workforce Development Grant Program. An additional $5 million will be made available in second solicitation in 2023. The funding for this grant program was made possible through the 2021 to 2022 California General Fund budget. This program provides support to organizations to enhance or expand beginning farmer and farm worker training apprentice programs. The overall goal of the program is to ensure that resources are dedicated to strengthening support for socially disadvantaged and or beginning farmers and ranchers in the first 10 years of business and for farm workers who can improve job security with additional skills training. A secondary goal of the program is to build and grow regional networks to ensure organizations can provide adequate support and training opportunities for those most underserved in the agriculture industry. We need new farmers and ranchers in California, and this program is a crucial step in cultivating the next generation of talent in agriculture, according to CDFA Secretary Karen Ross. She says there is a place for all who have the desire to farm or to improve their skills to become farm managers, and this program will help us to focus to grow opportunities in agriculture. The complete list of grant awardees and summaries of their projects can be found at cdfa.ca.gov front slash BFFTP. The Almond Board of California Almond Conference has been held every year since 1973, making this the 50th consecutive year. The event now attracts more than 250 exhibitors and covers the latest advancements in growing, producing, and supplying high-quality, great-tasting, and healthy almonds. This year's agenda will be packed with content focused on helping growers improve their return on investment, including water supply, pollination, irrigation, fertigation, rootstocks, pest management, and more. The Almond Conference is set for December 6th through the 8th at the Safe Credit Union Convention Center in downtown Sacramento. For more information, log on to almonds.com. Nitricity, the ag startup revolutionizing nitrogen fertilizer production, announced the close of its Series A investment capital raise at $20 million. This fundraising round was led by Colosa Ventures and Fine Structure Ventures with additional participation from Energy Impact Partners, Lower Carbon Capital, and MCJ Collective. Nitricity electrifies and distributes the production of nitrogen fertilizer. The Nitricity approach uses new technology for regionalized nutrient production using low-cost solar or wind. This marks a major difference from the existing nitrogen supply chain, which is highly centralized and uses fossil fuels and costly transportation. This fundraising round brings them one step closer towards sustainable and locally produced fertilizer, according to Nicholas Panikowski, CEO and founder of Nitricity. He says it's time to bring this to market. They have aggressive growth plans in motion. With this financing, Nitricity has raised $27 million in total funding to date, 
This will accelerate its ability to bring climate-smart fertilizer to a market experiencing ongoing and historic fertilizer price volatility and supply challenges. This electrified technology provides fertilizer in a climate-smart nitrate form designed for efficient application, allowing it to address greenhouse gas emissions beyond ammonia-based technologies, according to Joshua McAney, President, CTO, and co-founder at Nitricity. He says this is an opportunity to attack not just the 1-2% to of global GHG emissions in production, but the additional 5% of GHG emissions in the application by mitigating nitrous oxide formation. He says they are pushing hard to scale up and implement this solution. Nitricity's technology has been proven in commercial-scale farming operations through multiple functional pilots, including subsurface fertigation of tomatoes in a collaboration with California State University Fresno Center for Irrigation Technology and a Water Energy and Technology Center. Through solar fertilizer technology, Nitricity has demonstrated the power of its system to produce and apply nitrogen fertilizer closer to the end user, unlike any other fertilizer system today. Nitricity aims for its renewable technology to be available in the market and benefiting the entire value chain within a two-year period. Sunbelt is getting ready to take part in the International Fresh Produce Association Global Produce and Floral Show coming up at the end of this month in Orlando. They are committed to doing the best work they can for their excellent growers, shippers, and retail partners, and they will do that by being all about customer service, order fulfillment, and delivering the best quality berries they can, according to Sunbelt President and Founder Janice Honneberg. She says they are growing at a rapid pace because their mission remains the same as it was when they first opened their doors in January. 1986. To help tell the Sun Bell story, the berry marketer will debut its new video. It's called From Farm to Table, Sun Bell Delivers at its show booth. While people will be able to sample some heroes from their berry line, some of those varieties will be in the form of raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, and golden berries. These are just a few of the delights awaiting trade show goers as the company will feature its large array of products in an open and airy booth, which is based on a classic French covered market. As booth visitors come sample the fruit, they can learn about other key attributes that has made Sunbell the top tier berry marketer and its five strategically and geographically located distribution centers. These key nationwide facilities are in Maryland, Illinois, Florida, Texas, and Oxnard, California. And just to note that Global Produce and Floral Show will be held in Orlando, Florida, and it'll take place October 27th through the 29th. Details and information are at freshproduce.com. U.S. farmers who want to hire temporary foreign workers through the H-2A visa program usually work with a third party, according to USDA's Economic Research Service. New data announced recently indicated that third parties such as agents, associations, or a lawyer were used to make the applications. Employers themselves filed applications for only 15% of all jobs requested. Across the U.S., agents filed applications for 45% of all H-2A jobs in Association of Farm Enterprises, filed for 21% of jobs and 19% percent came from a lawyer representing a farmer. However, the usage rates for third parties differ across states. For instance, lawyers tend to file most of the jobs in California, while agents and associations account for almost two-thirds of the job filings in Florida. The H-2A program allows farm operators who foresee a shortage of domestic workers to bring non-immigrant foreign workers to the U.S. temporarily to perform agricultural labor or services. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. 
we deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bee's pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure. Be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior bees. Superior pollination. When you think about a biological product on the market, you typically associate the definition with the living component. However, that's not always the case. For biopesticides, for example, these products can be living or non-living and still classified as biological products. ProFarm's Taylor Hoover explained what classifies a non-living biological product and some key differences compared to ones of the living variety. A non-living or a non-viable biological product is one that is stemmed from a biological uh, base or uh, comes from biology in one way or another. Uh, in, in the case of maybe some insecticides like Grandivo or Venerate, they are a living, they start out as a living biological, a living bacteria, and we ferment them and it goes through a fermentation process. And in that fermentation process, there are secondary metabolites and other things that are released into solution by, these are naturally occurring chemicals that are released by these uh, bacteria. And then they go through a killing process, whether that be chemical or uh, heat treated. And that essentially kills off the living bacteria, just leaving those metabolites and spent media or um, uh, dead, dead cells in the, in the solution. And that's actually what is controlling uh, insect, the insects in, in the case of uh, Venerate and Grandivo. In both processes of making these products, whether living or non-living, fermentation will occur. The key difference is making sure the biology is alive or dead after fermentation that is needed to replicate the bacteria. As for why a grower would use or consultant recommend a living or non-living biological product, in this case referring to pesticides, Hoover said, like non-biological products, it will come down to the necessary or preferred mode of action. Typically a living biological is going to be one that's going to involve some sort of colonization effect. Um, think of it, uh, maybe the easiest way to think about it might be in the soil or in the rhizosphere where a living biological would colonize the, the root the root ball or the rhizosphere or the soil itself and do some sort of beneficial process to either protect the plant or provide more nutrients. A non-living biological is one that is going to have a separate mode of action um, and it may not actually colonize the plant or it may colonize the plant. Um, if it's non-living, it's likely not going to. And those metabolites are going to affect the insect in various different ways or, or the pest in various different ways. So a reason that you may want to make a recommendation on a non-living product versus a living, one, one good reason would be uh, the compatibility with other chemicals. Sometimes when you have a living bacteria, you can't c combine those with conventional fungicides or conventional insecticides because it would otherwise kill off those colonizing uh, the colony forming units that are um, living in the in the product so if we have a non-living product you're going to get 
uh, longer shelf life, you'll be able to have much more uh, wider compatibility. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's essentially the two main uh, reasons that you might recommend a non-living product versus a living. Using living or non-living biological pesticides alongside synthetic pesticides can be viable to increase even more the modes of action being used and create less likelihood for resistance. But Hoover said this is very dependent on the product combinations. Uh, manufacturers are always trying to uh, do studies and testing with various different, the, you know, there's a wide variety of different kinds of conventionals and um, biological products. So there's compatibility charts that we refer to that um, may or may not be, you know, one product may or may not be compatible with another. But that's another big benefit to the non-viable uh, products, the non-living ones, is that the compatibility goes uh, through the roof and, and you have much broader uh, product portfolios that you can use in a tank mix. So um, when you're blending a non-viable product, you're going to have a less, uh, less likelihood of an incompatibility or um, you know, a position where the product isn't going to work anymore when you combine it with one product or another. Hoover had some key tips for those looking to use a living or non-living biological pesticide. I would say just always keep in mind the mode of action and keep in mind that typically with biological products, uh, they're not systemic. So you need to be aware of the life cycle of the pest that you're identifying, whether it be a disease or be an insect. You, um, they, they need to be applied in the space that that pest is going to stem from. So in the in the term of um, in terms of soil-borne insects or soil-borne pathogens, you're obviously going to want to make those applications in the soil. And in the case of foliar pathogens or foliar insects, you're going to want to make those applications in the soil. It's often misconstrued that uh, if you make soil applications with some of our products, it may protect the foliage. And in some cases, that may um, cause benefits, um, but they're usually secondary benefits in the sense of you know, you're really just getting maybe a crop vigor response, which may help protect the crop in itself by just being healthier and outcompeting pests. But in other words, um, but in the true mode of action of the product, you really need to uh, get contact with the area that's going to be most affected. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Charlstrom. There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycoterra, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10% and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit Phycoterra.com to learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with Phycoterra. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says it will take more than a single program to stem the tide of U.S. farm bankruptcies, and his latest $3 billion bid to prevent more is just one part of the bigger strategy. Thousands of farm groups go out of business every year in the U.S., and Secretary Vilsack admits the long-running problem is too big for one program to solve. It is obvious to me that we need more new and better markets for farmers, generally. When ERS reports that roughly 89% of farms don't generate a majority of income for the farm family that's, that's farming the farm, it tells, tells me that there's more work to be done. 
Vilsack just announced more than $3 billion in spending from the Inflation Reduction Act to help some 36,000 distressed or delinquent FSA borrowers avoid or deal with foreclosure. But the problem is a long-term structural one that Vilsack says requires new revenue streams that USDA is trying to create. Climate-smart agricultural commodities with local and regional food system, with uh, additional competition, with additional processing capacity with an investment in organic transition to be able to enable farmers to transition to a higher value proposition on their farm. Biofuels and conservation programs like EQIP and RCPP also got a boost from Congress. An historic investment in conservation that will reinforce what we're doing on the climate smart commodity standpoint and uh, the decarbonization of, of the rural utility services will lower costs, lower energy costs and create more renewable energy opportunities for farmers. Vilsack says back-to-back record farm exports the last two years also provide increased revenue for producers. But soaring input costs, food inflation, supply chain issues, and Russia's war in Ukraine are eating away at farm profits, leaving loan delinquencies a continuing problem for American agriculture. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack and USAID Administrator Samantha Power have released the U.S. government's Global Food Security Research Strategy. The strategy underscores the U.S. government's commitment to ending hunger and malnutrition and building medium to long-term sustainable, resilient food systems, according to USDA. The new research strategy emphasizes priority objectives and the use of data to help strengthen the impact of U.S. food security assistance and, with America's leadership, generate sustainable solutions for addressing the root causes of hunger and malnutrition. The research strategy will underpin the United States government global food security strategy. Secretary Vilsack says investment in and support for agricultural research and development is imperative so that the world's farmers have access to innovations that enhance productivity and efficiency. The strategy focuses on climate-smart agricultural innovations, improved nutrition through high-quality affordable diets, and genetic improvement of resilient crops and livestock. Iowa Senators Chuck Grassley and Joni Ernst have urged the Environmental Protection Agency to establish expanded renewable volume obligations in the upcoming set rule under the Renewable Fuel Standard. The Iowa Republicans joined South Dakota Republican John Thune and Illinois Democrat Dick Durbin to encourage the agency to increase blending obligations for all renewable fuel types. The University of Florida Institute of Food and Agriculture Sciences this week has released a preliminary assessment of the agricultural production losses associated with Hurricane Ian. The report, which considers crops, livestock, and animal products, estimates a potential loss of up to $1.56 billion for Florida producers. The Economic Impact Analysis Program conducts assessments after an event that disrupts Florida's agriculture industry with assessments for Hurricane Ian initiated on September 29th through a survey to producers. Producers. Florida Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Fried says the impact on Florida's affected commodities cannot be understated, especially the heartbreaking damage to Florida's citrus, an industry already facing significant challenges. FFA members and supporters from across the country will celebrate agriculture and agricultural education next week during the 95th National FFA Convention and Expo in Indianapolis. More than 60,000 FFA members from the U.S., Puerto Rico, and U.S. Virgin Islands are expected to participate. I'm Lori Boyer reporting. 
The Renewable Fields Association is partnering with Renewable Fields Foundation to offer scholarships for college students interested in attending the 28th Annual National Ethanol Conference, which is scheduled for February 28th through March 2nd in Orlando, Florida. Members of RFA's Young Professional Network are also eligible for consideration. Now in its 14th year, the program is named in honor of Robert or Bob Sather, an educator who helped found RFA member company Ace Ethanol in Wisconsin. Sather was the past chair of the Renewable Fields Foundation. The aim of the Bob Sather Memorial Scholarship is to reach young adults aspiring to a career related to ethanol and open doors and present new perspectives on ethanol's place in the world today and beyond. The program provides eligible applicants with opportunities to hear from and engage with top industry leaders, policymakers, and academic and technical experts. Applications are due in by January 17th. For more information on the application, log on to nationalethanolconference.com. Verdant Robotics All-Electric Pull-Behind Multi-Action Farming Implement uses computer vision and machine learning to differentiate between a crop plant and a weed. But Curtis Garner, Verdant co-founder, said the computer goes much deeper and actually identifies the weed species. Once it sees a weed, it hits it with a slug of organic herbicide. It can perform similar actions when it sees a crop plant and makes a liquid fertilizer application. All of this happens in a fraction of a second. Having this targeted approach can save up to 95% of the materials applied. The machine also collects data such as stand density and plant chlorophyll that can be used later. Verdant, which showed off the implement at the recent FIRA USA Ag Robotics Conference in Fresno, likes to call it high-fidelity farming. So our machine is a computer-guided base sprayer. So you can think about it as computer cameras that see objects of interest, and we spray those objects of interest. But it's much different than any agricultural sprayer that a grower might be familiar with today. So everything they've seen to this day is like atomized mist. We throw out a slug of fluid. So think like a super soaker that your kids have. We just shoot like weeds with organic herbicides, or we'll shoot the plant with the foliar fertilizer. The company has adopted a fee-for-service plan. In other words, they charge a per acre rate to run the robotic machine over a field. Garner said this means the farmer won't get stuck with obsolete technology. It also means that smaller scale growers who may not have the capital to invest in the machine have access to the technology. We do robotics as a service. Uh, There's a couple reasons why we do robotics as a service. So one, we've made the iPhone 1 and the iPhone 3 is going to come out in in about three months. And so we don't want to saddle the grower with a huge capital cost when we know the improvements are right around the corner. Two, uh, no company has machine learning licked yet. So we need to be there to teach the machine new phenomena, new plant uh, physiology, and what to do with those new plant phenomena. And the third, which is the most important part, is we need to be there getting our boots dirty and rubbing shoulders with the agronomists and farmers to find what is new value under the sun that this machine actually unlocks. Because we do organic weeding in crops like carrots, onions, garlic, leafy greens, so things that are planted in high density. But organic weeding is just one action. We're multi-crop and we're multi-action. So what else can we do? What other molecules can we spray? What other value could we drive for the farmer? That's why the robotics as a service is so good. So it doesn't matter to me whether it's a 50-acre grower or a 5,000-acre grower. I can service them with the same level of service and care as the larger grower. So we're open to small growers as, as as we are with big growers. 
Verdant currently has machines in the field serving a number of crops, including Bolthouse Farms, a large carrot grower with significant organic acreage. Garner said the machines also are working in other crops in California, with high-density plantings benefiting the most. With a new computer system available before year's end, he said a 20-foot-wide machine will be able to treat up to 40 acres during a 10-hour shift. We do have customers. We're commercial today. We're taking on uh, new farmers as we speak. We're currently operating with Bolthouse, uh, which is one of the world's largest carrot growers, um, but also some very progressive leafy green growers. So we're doing uh, red leaf, green leaf, iceberg lettuce, cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, artichokes. So there's really no crops that we can't address. And we have a unique technology and capability to us and our team, which is called label to spray in a day. So if we come to a new crop or a new region that has weeds that we've never seen before, we can operate uh, within one shift and have new machine learning models to recognize that new phenomenon that we've never seen before. One concern expressed during a panel discussion at FireIt was technology wasn't developed with the farmer in mind. Instead, panelists said, the systems were developed by Silicon Valley programmers who had never stepped foot in a field. Garner said he fully understood the concern and pointed to a strong ag background. Previously, he worked for a large Central Valley diversified farm as well as a major tomato processor. Before the company even started developing prototypes, he took leaders on a six-month listening tour to figure out what growers wanted and how technology could help them. My background is an ag operations manager, so I ran tomato harvesting and transplanting for the world's largest uh, tomato processor. I started the company uh, basically as a grower myself and a technologist walk into a bar and decide to get married and uh, innovate in agriculture. And so I took them on a listening tour before we decided to develop any technology for about six months talking to my network and the network of my network, all the different commodities to try to figure out these technologists have some great ideas and ability to do things. What is the real value to drive for the customer? What is the grower's pain points? What are they really hurting from and what would they really like solved? Because I don't want a nice to have, I want a must have. Because ag autonomy and robotics are still in their infancy, there's no standardized language. Different machines can't talk to each other. Think about the debates over high-definition optical disc formats in the early 2000s. Blu-ray ultimately won out. Similar discussions are ongoing in the ag technology field, and Garner said he hopes a consensus is reached shortly. It's a relatively new field, so there's open ag data standards, things like Ag Gateway, Trellis, and Oats. There's various universities that are getting behind various efforts, and so we need to, as an industry, to come together and pick a standard and all push towards it. Right now, it would be a lot of custom development of custom uh, APIs, which is application protocol interfaces. So we'd have to custom program machines to talk to other machines, which isn't impossible. It's not difficult. It's just time consuming. It'd be so wonderful if the industry would just agree on terminology and definitions to be able to have all this uh, interoperability. And Europe's leading the charge with this, and I, I hope those efforts come here to the States as well. Verdant is a co-principal investigator in a research project with UC Davis. Funded by a USDA grant, the project is designed to quantify the economic, sociological, and ecological value of this next-generation technology. Garner said Verdant will be providing UC with the data to quantify the impacts to the industry. UC Davis, what they're really interested in is quantifying the ecological and social impact of this new ag automation. So how does this new technology and innovation actually affect society and 
can we quantify and measure the results for the growers? And so we're partnering with them, providing them with data, so our growing partners, so they can figure this out and uh, write a paper about it and quantify for the industry um, the benefits that technologies like Verdant provide. Growing up watching the Jetsons cartoon show, it was hard to fathom that robots and autonomous machines would ever be real. But they're here, and it'll be interesting to see how all of this Ag 4.0, as some in the tech world call it, shakes out. This is Vicki Boyd reporting for My Ag Life. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on the, every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.